Well, there's nothing like a blessing of the backpacks to remind you that summer's almost over, right? <laughs> and uh, with the ending of summer, we're also drawing to a close of this series that we've been on, Amazing Acts. Throughout the summer, we've been reading stories from the New Testament book, Acts of the Apostles, which describes the growth of the early church as Christianity spread throughout the world at the direction of the Holy Spirit. It was the direction and inspiration of the Holy Spirit that caused the growth. But it was also the actions of the apostles, their obedience to the Holy Spirit, the works that they did to, to get the message of Jesus Christ out to as many people as they could. That's something that, that we have been hoping to highlight in this series, the fact that there is work to be done on our part to help spread the gospel. Now, when it comes to wondrous signs and amazing miracles, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. We, we have no control over that. We can't make a miracle happen. We cannot force the hand of God. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about the Holy Spirit, he compared it to the wind. He said, the wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. But we can harness the wind, can't we? We can pay attention to what the wind is doing, where it is blowing, and we can choose to partner with it. If you turn the sail of your boat in the right direction, you'll get a lot farther than if you turn the sail whatever direction you want, paying no attention to where the wind is blowing. Or if you don't even bother to hoist the sail in the first place. There are things that we can do to partner with God. There is work that he wants us to do so that his spirit can take full effect through us. That work, those actions, that's what we've seen throughout this book of Acts finding our own place in that work, committing ourselves to the amazing acts God plans to do through us. That is how we continue to spread the gospel that began all the way back in the first century. Today we come to yet another believer through whom God chose to work. His name is Timothy. And we first meet him in Acts 16, verses 1 through 5. Hear what it says. Paul went on from Derby to Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and had him circumcised because of the Jews who were in the place, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went from town to town, they delivered to them for observance the decision that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. When it says of Paul and Timothy, they delivered for observance the decision that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem, what that is referring to is the decision that had been handed down at the Jerusalem Council in the previous chapter of Acts, the one that we heard about two weeks ago on One Faith Sunday. The decision of the apostles that new converts to Christianity did not have to become Jewish. They did not have to be circumcised and live according to the laws of Moses. 
But there were certain things that they did have to abstain from, namely fornication, food that had been sacrificed to idols, food coming from animals that had been strangled, and meat that still had blood in it. As long as the new Gentile Christians avoided those four things, the rest of the Jewish law had no binding authority over them. Paul and Timothy went from town to town together, delivering this ruling to the churches. But first, Paul had Timothy circumcised. Now, if I had been Timothy, <laughs> I would have been saying, um, hold on a minute. Doesn't this ruling that we are out here delivering to all these people specifically say that's not necessary? Do we really need to do that? The Bible doesn't say anything about Timothy objecting in any way. I, I think he must have at least asked the question. But he submitted, and he did so willingly. And here's why. According to Jewish tradition, ethnicity gets passed on through the mother. Timothy's mother was Jewish, which means that according to the way that the Jews saw things, Timothy was Jewish. He had not been circumcised because his father was not Jewish, and for Greeks, circumcision was disgraceful. His father probably refused to have Timothy circumcised as a baby. But clearly, Timothy's mother had a stronger influence on his faith. The Bible says not only that she was Jewish, but that she was also a believer in Jesus, and Timothy took after his mother's faith. The decision of the Jerusalem Council was that Gentile Christians did not need to be circumcised. But the way that the Jews saw it, Timothy wasn't a Gentile. If his mother was Jewish, then he was Jewish, and that meant submitting to the entire law. Is that the way that Paul and Timothy saw it? Probably not. The Bible doesn't say Paul had Timothy circumcised because it was necessary for his salvation. It says Paul had Timothy circumcised because of the Jews who were in those places. It wasn't that it mattered to Paul or Timothy that he be circumcised. It's that it mattered to the people that they were trying to reach. As far as Paul and Timothy were concerned, physical circumcision didn't mean a thing. But it meant a great deal among the people that they were trying to minister to. That's what mattered, reaching other people with the gospel. So Paul had Timothy circumcised, and Timothy willingly went along with it. Think about that. He willingly endured a painful procedure on the most intimate part of his body, a procedure that had nothing to do with his salvation, but everything to do with reaching others with the message of Jesus Christ. Think about what a huge sacrifice that was on Timothy's part. And he willingly went through with it because saving others was more important to him than anything else. That's a pretty amazing act, if you ask me. This is one of the principles of Christianity that often gets sidestepped these days. The principle is this. Faith in Jesus Christ compels us to do certain things that are not for our own benefit and not even necessary to affect our salvation, 
but which, by which we can lead others to salvation and build up the church. Christianity has gotten so wrapped up in consumer culture that it's easy to think it's all about me. What's best for me? What, what do I want? What do I like? As long as me and Jesus are good, I don't have to worry about anyone else. If that were true, though, do you think that Timothy would have even for a second considered being circumcised as an adult? Of course not. He did that because he was compelled by his faith, by his calling in Christ, to lead others to Jesus. And he couldn't lead others to Jesus if they were getting caught up in secondary issues that kept them from hearing what he had to say. So he went under the knife not for his own salvation, but for the salvation of those he was trying to reach. God is trying to reach someone through you. The Holy Spirit wants to work through you to make Jesus known to others. You probably don't need to have an operation to make that happen, hopefully not. But you do need to consider, what is it about you that, that's going to prevent someone from hearing and responding to the gospel? And how can you remove that obstacle? Is it the language that you use? Is it the way that you talk about other people when they're not around? Is it a spirit of judgment, an attitude of superiority? Is it the way that you dress or, or the things that you eat and drink in their presence? The Bible makes it clear that none of those things matter in terms of your salvation. But the Bible also makes it clear that we cannot allow any of those things to get in the way of the gospel. All of these are things that we should be willing, gladly willing, to sacrifice if it will help someone else hear and respond to the message of Jesus Christ. What can you do to turn your sail to the wind so that you're moving with the Holy Spirit instead of standing in the way? What about something as simple as coming to church every week? The COVID pandemic made it very easy to stay at home and still get our church delivered right to us, not only on Sunday mornings, but any time during the week. There's a lot of good in that, a lot of blessing. I, I thank God that for those who, who can't be here physically, whether due to illness or disability or age or another obligation, that they can still worship with us online. But if it's simply a matter of choice, whether you feel like getting dressed and going to church or whether you'd rather stay in and watch on your phone, the internet isn't doing us any favors there. Not that you can't be saved if you choose to stay home. If you are right with God through Jesus Christ, then you are saved no matter what. But you're not going to save anybody else by staying home. You're not helping to build up the church by staying home. You're denying us your presence by which we could be blessed and encouraged and strengthened together. And that's the point that the Bible makes over and over and over again, that it's not just about what's best for you. It's about strengthening and encouraging one another. It's about being a part of the body. 
It's about what is good for everyone else, and particularly for those who the Holy Spirit is calling you to bless. So next time you're trying to, to make that decision, whether to come or whether to watch online, don't ask yourself, what am I going to miss out on if I don't go? Ask yourself, what is the body of Christ going to miss if I'm not there? Because we do miss you when you're not here. We're not as strong as we could be if we all came together as one. And that's not to guilt those who can't come for whatever reason. It's to let you know that we miss you and we pray for you and you are an important part of this community. Back to Timothy. I want to move now beyond the book of Acts to the letter of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy was written several years after the passage from Acts. It's a letter that was written by Paul to Timothy when Timothy had been serving as a pastor in Ephesus for some time. Paul wrote to encourage and instruct Timothy in his pastoral duties. And in chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, he writes this to Timothy. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love and faith and purity. Until I arrive, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhorting, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, that was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Put these things into practice. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Continue in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I want to focus on the phrase, do not neglect the gift that is in you. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. In reference to Timothy, of course, this refers to the gift of being a pastor and a church leader. Timothy had a gift for preaching and teaching, reading scripture and interpreting scripture. He was called by God to be a pastor, and Paul wanted Timothy to continue to be the best pastor that he could be. To do any less than that would be to neglect the gift that was in him. But this passage isn't just about Timothy. The lessons of this letter weren't written only for Timothy. This letter is in the Bible because it is written to all of us. As Holy Scripture, these words, do not neglect the gift that is in you, are written to you and to me, to everyone watching online, to every Christian that has ever lived. These instructions are for all of us. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. What does that mean? It means that God has a calling for you. God has placed certain gifts within you, and he has placed them there not for your own benefit, but for the good of the church and for the world. And he's telling you to pay attention to that to use that, to use those gifts in the way that God intended when he placed them within you. For Timothy, that meant being a good pastor and a strong leader. 
That may have seemed strange at the time because Timothy was still quite young. How young he was, we don't know exactly, but he was young enough that Paul had to say to him, let no one despise your youth. This was a culture in which age and wisdom went hand in hand. The elderly were respected. The younger generations paid deference to them. The world is quite different today, at least in our culture. Today's world prizes youth above just about everything, and the younger generations often think their elders know nothing. Back then, for a younger adult to take authority over their elders, that was almost unheard of. But Timothy was called at a very young age to be a pastor of the church at Ephesus. He was charged by God with being in charge of the church. Surely there must have been some of the older members, especially those who had been Christians much longer than he had, who wondered just who this young whippersnapper thought he was. Let no one despise your youth, wrote Paul, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love and faith and purity. In other words, demonstrate to everyone by your deeds and by your life how mature in Christ you really are. And do not neglect the gift that is in you. Timothy was gifted by God for being a pastor. That, that calling was acknowledged by the church with the laying on of hands. His age was irrelevant, except to the extent that it could potentially cause him to put off his God-given calling. The reason the scripture says, do not neglect the gift that is in you, is because there's often a strong temptation to do just that. Not just for Timothy, but for all of us. There's often a temptation to push the gift aside, to sidestep the calling. There's always an excuse why we shouldn't step up to the plate. It could be because of youth. You don't feel seasoned enough, experienced enough. You think you have too much yet to learn. Conversely, it could be because of advanced age. You feel like you've already done your service and it's time for someone else to step up. That's all well and good if it's the Holy Spirit telling you that. But if God is still calling you to it, there is no term limit on being a servant of Christ. Let no one despise your youth. Let no one despise your advanced age either. We all have something to offer as long as we're on this earth, and God is the one who determines what that is. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. What gift has God placed within you? And how does he want you to use that gift for others? We all have gifts within us. What is that desire that God has laid specifically on your heart? What is it that brings you joy when you do it for other people? What are those abilities that you have that not everyone else does? How might God be using you, leading you to use that for the church? My wife likes to do laundry. Thank God for that, because I do not. I will do just about any other chore around the house. I like to cook. I don't mind doing dishes. 
Vacuuming is a good stress release, but I hate doing laundry. When I found out that Laura likes doing laundry, I said, thank you, God, that's the woman for me. <laughs> a few weeks ago, as our church was getting ready to host Family Promise for a week, Laura noticed that one of the volunteer opportunities was for someone to wash the bedding at the end of the week. Perfect. Now, you might not think that doing laundry is a gift. I'm here to tell you it is. <laughs> and that's what I mean. Finding out how you can use those passions and joys and talents and abilities that God has placed within you, whatever they may be, how can you use those not just for you, not just for your household, but for the household of faith, for the church, for the world? We have a volunteer tree out in the lobby. There's a reason that we have a volunteer tree out in the lobby. It's to remind you every time that you come into this building that serving others is a part of what we are about. Our mission here at Faith Community is knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Those two go together hand in hand. We, we don't come here just for what we get out of it, our own salvation. We come also for what we can give to it. The, the way that we make Christ real for others. The difference we make when we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. If you haven't found your place of service yet, spend some time around the tree. Each of the ornaments has a different opportunity on it, along with who to contact to, to volunteer or find out more. Find out. Find the one that's for you. Take it with you to remind you. We all have work to do for Jesus. God is calling every single person in this church to some form of service for others. There is a gift that God has placed in you, a passion, a talent, a skill that he wants to use through you for the good of the church and ultimately, ultimately for the salvation of the world. There are any number of reasons why someone else might tell you that you shouldn't do this or that. There might be any number of reasons that you tell yourself that you couldn't or shouldn't. Don't listen to any of those. Listen to God. Listen to Jesus. Listen to the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Step up. Get out of your comfort zone and get to work for Jesus so that together we can make him known to the world.